0: Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human Centred Design Network's Circle, a new private community for changemakers just like you. Connect with like-minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities and lead the change in human-centred design. For more information, see this is hcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Getting Started in Design. I'm your host, Jerry Scullion. I'm a service designer and educator and founder of the This Is Hate CD network and CEO of This Is Doing. This podcast is focused on shining a light on the tricky stages between education and employment and also moving careers into design. Now we realise it's not a simple career to break into and I myself can totally relate to this and often reflect back on the time a long time ago when I struggled a few years to catch a break. Now, hopefully, this podcast goes some way towards helping you land your job in your chosen area of design. Joanna Peel, a very warm welcome to Getting Started in Design. How are you going?
1: Hi, Jerry. Thank you for having me. I'm fine. How are you?
0: I'm doing okay. I know you're now back in Ireland after being in France for a period of time. Absolutely. How does it feel to be back in Dublin?
1: Well, I'm thrilled, actually. I've been to the beach uh, yesterday and. It's amazing. Ah, I'm glad to be back. I live close to Portmanac. So ah, okay. yeah, very nice place.
0: Portmanac's a beautiful beach. That's not, not a amazing. million miles away from I'm based, but it's a good part of the world. At least you're on the right side of the city.
1: Well, I'm in, on the right side of the border as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. It's for anyone who's listening at the moment, like Ireland's in level five, which is the highest form of lockdown at the moment. Mm. And everyone's kind of a little bit on edge. We're kind of like hoping we can bring those numbers down. Mm. but Joanna, you were in France for a period of time after you, you finished your master's. How long were you back in France for?
1: I've stayed there for four months. I must admit that the situation here is much better than, than it is in France, actually.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I'm watching the news in France, and I know France is going through lots of lots of stuff at the moment. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you studied and what you're doing now.
1: With pleasure. So I have recently graduated from the NCAD. I'm currently a UX designer, user experience designer at Arneo, a French company. I just started a freelancing mission as well for the Réunion des Opéras de France. So I'm helping them digitalize the different opera houses' archives to make them accessible to the public.
0: Okay. You're doing that through an agency or are you doing that freelance?
1: I'm doing that as a freelance.
0: All right. So we're going to have a good episode, folks. I can feel it already. Joanna has just finished her master's. And that was, when when did that finish up? In May or June or something, was it, of this year?
1: No, in September, actually. In
0: September. Okay. Yeah. Because with COVID, it was probably pushed it back a little bit, was it?
1: Yeah, a little bit, yes.
0: So you finished your master's. Walk me through, because you had a shift there probably from in March time, moving everything to online. What was that like?
1: Well, it was unexpected, mm. which made it a bit complicated. I'm pretty sure it's going to be extremely well organized this year because people are prepared. But when mm. it all happened, we got a little bit surprised, I must say. But we got a lot of support from our pedagogical team, and uh, I think it was—I I won't say it wasn't challenging for everyone—but definitely it builds a specific relationship among the class. I mean. Everybody tried to help each other out. And still now, after we graduated, we keep, you know, I don't know, checking each other's design. And ultimately, designers need to design. So even if mm. some of us haven't landed a job yet, we're all designing and keeping up with the good work.
0: Yeah. Because on Friday mornings, folks, for the last five months, I've started doing free coaching for students. And I, I That's so nice. Well, it's humbling because... I realized, when going back to myself, when 2000 and something, early 2000s, I finished and I remember that whole kind of piece of finishing my degree and not being able to get a job. And it kind of lasted for years. Like I never really felt I got a job until 2007. And that whole kind of piece and that period of my life has led me to wanting to try and give back and trying to help people, trying to connect them with jobs and listen to them and offer them support. So that's kind of why I do it. But looking at that coaching piece that that hour, I've spoken to many students, not just in Ireland, but internationally. Like I think I've spoken to about 15 or 20 different countries at this stage. Everyone's going through the same thing. It's a really tough time for emerging talent to get a job and it's affecting them. They're struggling. They don't know what to do. Should they be doing the portfolio? What should they put in it? How many pieces should they put in it? Do they go on LinkedIn? All these kind of questions are, are I'm getting. So I'm really interested to see because you've got not one, but two jobs really at the moment. So there's something that Joanna Peel is doing right at the moment. And I can't just, I'd love to know a little bit more around your mindset of when you finished your master's and maybe what we were doing just before you finished to set yourself up to get a job
1: first of all i have worked as a social media manager for five years so i it's interesting for me because i've already been through that and i mean it helps in life to have experience and i remember when i graduated in 2014 from la sorbonne university i was very it was very daunting as you mentioned and i was very focused on hard skills i had trouble figuring out what i could bring to the table in a job interview what i could bring to a team because I felt like I had done so many short-term experiences and so many internships, but still, it's not... Uh, you cannot consider yourself as... You cannot compete with a senior or an experienced employee. And what's interesting here is that I've got the opportunity to hire interns myself and to manage them. And I being on the other side of the mirror... I got to realize that ultimately, when you're a young graduate, it's probably the only moment in your career where you're going to be hired for who you are. I mean, when I hired Endurance, I didn't expect them to know everything about social media. And I'm pretty sure any senior or lead UX designer or lead service designer won't expect a young graduate to be perfect. Mm. That's impossible. What they're interested in is soft skills is, are you passionate? Do you have the right mindset? Are you self-driven? What kind of area have you been interested in as a designer? And also you need to remember something that's interesting. I feel like it's, I've always thought that a team should be made of different types of people. If you only have like the same Mm -hmm. profile on a team, it's probably gonna be bad. I mean, the outcome is gonna be bad because you need to confront different perspectives in life and different point of view to make sure that the project's going to move on on the right direction. And mm. ultimately, young d- designers are, to most, the clients of the future. So they have a very interesting perspective in life. And I feel mm. like, don't feel stressed out by that. Often, when you're young, you think you should pretend in a job interview that you're what you imagine that they're looking for, but you don't yeah. know what they're looking for. Also, having conducted interviews myself, I know that... I've been interviewed by candidates as much as they were being interviewed by me. I mean, you need to find the right match, and also the reason why they won't choose you—it's nothing personal. For instance, absolutely. I, absolutely. I remember that I had to choose between two excellent candidates for an internship, and why I, I there was one girl and one guy, one guy, and I, I chose the guy. For I mean, both of them were perfect, and the only reason was she lived three hours away from the office. So I was afraid, I mean, for her getting there at nine would mean uh, waking up at high five every morning. So wow. I just, yes, absolutely. And she was motivated and I'm sure she would have done whatever she could to be on time, but I really needed her to be on time every morning. So I chose the other candidates.
0: Yeah. It's a, you made a really good point there about if you do get rejected from a job, it's not you, especially in this early stage of your career. It's really important to to have that Conversation with yourself to make sure that you're not giving yourself a hard time to try and be kind to yourself that it wasn't the right fit. You mentioned there about soft skills. Okay. And soft skills is something that I had to learn in my career as well. But I want to talk to you a little bit more around your understanding of soft skills and maybe what was spoken to you about when you were leaving your course in university. How did they help you prepare for those kind of conversations and those interviews and the soft skills?
1: That's a very interesting question. I'd say that the whole fact that we have been working on different projects over the year have prepared us for jobs interviews because we've been doing design sprints and we've been presented to clients. So we know how to talk about our design process, how to focus on the outcomes. Hmm. So we have had that experience over the year and This really helped me. To be honest, I feel like uh, one of the things that helped me was getting out of university. Because ultimately, Mm -hmm. for me, university, well, getting your diploma, it's not the outcome. It's just the start. So that's the start of your adventure as a designer. And uh, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be proud of yourself and celebrate. But it just means that the best is coming for you guys. And... When I started as a social media manager five years ago, I was very worried to be stuck there. And I know with that perspective that it didn't happen to any single student in my course. But what people should remember probably is that when you start working, most of people don't stop. And that's something I feel privileged To have the opportunity to do when I'll be done with my internship, because, for instance, I have some stuff that I want to do before getting in again. For instance, I'd like to try to turn my major project as a real startup, a real project, because I've been passionate about it. I think it could help people or to enable users to have fun with it. And that's what matters. And also, I I mean, what you've experienced as designers at school, remember that what you did was not only getting hard skills, which was what you did but you also got part of a learning community and supporting each other as young designers for instance well because i, I did that internship i got lucky enough to learn more stuff for instance about figma because i was working on figma and so i had classmates that were interested in learning more so we just did you know online workshops together and i checked on their design not that i'm an expert but it's just nice and honestly when you do that you never waste your time because I mean, you learn. I mean, swiping notes and being inspired by, for instance, good portfolios. It's a good way to learn, but you learn more from you know from the bad, from disappointing designs. So I think it's relevant for young designers to k- keep comparing their work.
0: One of the things that we were chatting about there, and it was a really good point that you made, was around soft skills. And from speaking to many of the emerging talent people from the coaching sessions that I'm doing at the moment. Soft skills is something that really needs to be focused on. So was this something that you you learned through your, your master's or is this something that you've just naturally learned through working? Talk me through how you've improved your soft skills.
1: I feel like soft skills are not really taught at university yet, not oriented to job interviews. But I guess that's something that I've learned over the years working and I mean I've done a hell of a lot of job interviews in my life so I as I mentioned I know that this is a conversation and Mm. as you as you said it's also about asking questions and being interested in the team and not being defensive and too stressed out about the exercise so that's one of the thing yeah
0: yeah and it helps that you've had many interviews because you've had a previous career as a social media manager Mm. and i'm speaking to people and they've never had an interview before so walk me through the preparation that typically you would do for for an interview
1: for sure it requires a lot of preparation so well if you reach to the point of having a job interview you've already studied a bit the job offer but also the firm the company and what's interesting i think there are two interesting steps the first thing is be mindful of the fact that often the HR speech Mm. of the company is completely different from uh, reality. And this is true for any communication speech. Often when you communicate about a company, you are completely aware of the failures and the flaws of your company and you're putting makeup on flaws. So often, for instance, when you read that, I'm going to give you an interesting example. One of my friends has been; she has wanted, she, she has tried to work for a bank, and she read online that they were looking for very innovative and different candidates. But it's been known in France that the banking sectors requires people to be extremely formal and very specific what they want you to answer, and yeah. what they want you to look like, because you need to look like the job you're you want to be hired for. And what's a success is when you start asking the right questions to the team they already start being interested by you and when you start thinking of a solution with them it's like you're already working for them so you don't need to oversell yourselves they know that you're going to brag basically <laughs> or you're going to yeah. yes what you need to do is to communicate through your proof through the proof i mean if you start thinking about their problems start being interested in them that's where you can start succeeding in job interviews i think
0: yeah it's well doing the preparation is is important i remember in the early days when i was i had a couple of interviews when i when i finished my industrial design degree many years ago one of the worst interviews to date in my career happened in the early stages and it was in 2003 in sydney and it was for what i would call now a ux job but it was a hci human computer interaction design role and at that stage psychologists ruled the roost you know they didn't want to hear from industrial designers or any kind of designers and I was cross-examined is the only way I can describe it in an interview um, from two psychologists and for a long time afterwards I was kind of a little bit scorned I didn't get the job Um, they made me do a case study and stuff I felt awful I didn't get the job mm. but those kind of experiences from organizations can really scar designers and it's something that I've carried with me and I wouldn't Mm. want any other designers to go through that. But in terms of the preparation that I did back at that time, I was looking for who held the decision-making process. Who was the person that was the the most senior person in the design team in terms of experience that they had? What could I learn from them? What kind of clients are they working with? Would Mm -hmm. that interest me? How long have they been in business? Do they work overseas? Will there be travel involved? Look at Glassdoor. At that stage, Glassdoor didn't exist, but trying to understand what people were saying about
1: them—you
0: mm. know—look at their Twitter feed for feedback to see if their customers are happy or sad. You know, is it going to be a good place to work? That's really important. Now, I remember when we spoke before, Joanna, you mentioned something about that French bank before. And <laughs> Did I? I remember I you mentioned about that. them. Before.
1: But, but well, it, I just—I didn't finish the story. Actually, do you want me to finish it?
0: Finish it. This is the one.
1: So she just she just uh, went on their website and she did that research that you mentioned. Yeah. And so she read that they were looking for cutting edge innovators, a new style of candidates. So instead of being very formal, as expected, she yeah. showed up wearing a red jacket and that's Great. a little bit looking like a designer, actually, hmm. but for a, bank, a job in the bank. Yeah. And they... Because it was not the HR team, but the management team, mm. they disliked it. And actually, that biased all of the questions. So she only wow. got... Absolutely. That's so interesting. They interpreted any answers based on what she looked like. So for instance, they asked her what, what she was interested in. And she had filled in, I like poetry and having a stroll, like wandering. Mm. So they thought, oh, she's a she's a dreamer. Just based on that answer. And it was tough for her to evolve from that kind of idea they got based on her physical appearance and and based on what she had hunted. So I'd say that be mindful of if you're talking to the HR, and that is true for your portfolio as well. The HR team has no idea how to judge a designer. Mm. So what they're going to look like, they're going to judge you on the UI of your portfolio because that's the only thing that someone who doesn't know design Mm. can do. So you're talking... To the HR. And when you're designing, for instance, your curriculum vitae, you're talking to bots, to algorithms. So you just need to put the right keywords on your wow. CV to make sure that it's going gonna, it's gonna to come to an actual human being. But wow. then when you move to the step of, of going to the job interview, well, one, just remember to have fun. I mean, even if it's tough mm. often when we're stressed on, I'm not lecturing anyone because I I mean, sometimes I, it works, sometimes it doesn't work as well for me as, mm. as for any human being. And so it all depends on your mood, your mindset. Did yeah. you have a nice day? Are you dynamic this day? That's all right.
0: It's funny because part of me wants to say that sounds like an absolutely awful place to work if they treated that person like that for what she was wearing and judging someone from just that very light touch interaction. But at the same time, there's a certain balance. Um, absolutely, I, I would tell people not to work there from what you've said, but there's a balance there in terms of being appropriately you know, ready for an interview and acknowledging that it might be a little bit of a cultural leap for them to take somebody on like that. So there's there's a case for it being a little bit more Sensitive to the cultural area. If you're applying for a job in a bank and you rock up, I remember when I finished in NCAD, I used to wear flares and I had a mohawk and I used to wear a Mickey Mouse t shirt with a big Parker jacket with corduroy. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it was, it was cool. <laughs> well, when when you look back at the photo photographs, it's not so cool. But I went to an interview and I wore a shirt and tie for one of the first times. But it didn't look like it, it was native to my body, shall we say? But <laughs> I showed that I'd made an attempt to to try and you know respect the the ritual that was about to happen, and my intent was to try and to get the job. But I just don't like for for me now, as you know, in my age, I hate hearing young people conforming to those kind of social norms where they're trying to get a square peg into a round hole. And if if it doesn't feel like it's the right place for you, I'm like, just please don't go there because you'll be you'll hit 30 and you'll be miserable uh, I working in that. No, I completely <laughs>
1: agree, and I've I've made that mistake. So, I mean, my first job mm. was extremely boring, and I just yeah. I knew it would be awful, but I just took it because I wanted a job and a first yeah. experience. And it can be tough when it's the first experience as well to because you think this is going to be f- like that for your whole career, mm. which is not the case. I mean, and what I've learned working in uh, at Arneo is that there are as many product designers, UX designers as human beings because the job is so, I mean, the situations are unique. The the products are different. The audiences are different. What makes us designers is the methodology, but, and the ability to adjust to new situation, to be lifelong Mm -hmm. learners. So the more you do it, The more you realize that they're not looking for anyone specifically, they're just looking for the right match for that job. Yeah.
0: So some businesses will perpetually be interviewing people because there's always churn. So there's always people coming and going in those businesses that they blame the designers when really they should be looking at themselves and how they can actually adapt and attract talent. But it's really important to maintain that skill because it is a skill interviewing. and. It's something that I came to love, actually, in Australia. I used to always take the acceptance of a coffee or do you want to meet up for to talk about work? And I was like, oh, it's another interview. Then I reshaped it. I said, actually, this isn't an interview. This is me just to practice having a conversation with someone I don't know talking about what I do. So never shy away from those conversations, whether they be online or in face-to-face. Most of the time it's going to be online now, obviously. But it really is a skill that you can refine and polish over time to get better at and speak about yourself and talk about design and what you can bring to the business. So for anyone listening out there, has got the first interview coming up. Do your preparation and don't be afraid to have a conversation, an open conversation. Now, what I would like to chat to you a little bit more around is your portfolio. When we spoke before, you had a really nice portfolio. I looked at it and I was like, hey, this is really good.
1: Oh, thank you, Jerry. (laughs)
0: No, no, no. I'd like to try and say something back in French, but I can't, unfortunately. I'll say it was a really good portfolio. And what I want to know is when you were finishing your master's, was that something that you were working on throughout your master's? Or is that something that you, you know, maybe you did over a couple of days or a couple of weeks? Walk me through how how you did that.
1: Sure. So uh, I'd say that at the NCID, they have you working on your portfolio all over the year which is weird because when you start, you have early projects to put on it. But yeah. I think it's interesting because i just teaching you that a portfolio is going to constantly evolve all over your career. So yeah. this is an ongoing process and it's good to get started early, I think, at an early stage of your learning journey. And I guess that one of the reasons I got the opportunity of having an internship is because... I was looking for feedback. So I didn't stay in the university. I thought that's grand. We have feedback from teachers and that's fantastic. I also need to have uh, feedback from people from the industry. So I've been looking for, having asked anyone if they know a designer to get the chance of of having a real employed designer, having a look look at my portfolio. And that happened. So um, a head of design at Arneo was kind enough to have a look at my portfolio. It was Mm -hmm. not perfect. It was very, I feel it was well-documented. And well, the case studies were quite clear. You could see that there was a strong methodology. I still have three projects on my portfolio. Mm -hmm. It's mobile first, skimmable, because I know that people don't have time to dive into your process. So I try to make it easy to navigate. But his advice was that, there was the wow component lacking. And so now that there is a lockdown, I have a little bit more time to work, to work on, ink, on it. So I'm working on it currently and I'm redesigning it. And so I've been, the first thing is to swipe notes. So to, to have a look at what other designers do. And so I've learned a lot from actually bad portfolios that I found online. You know, you learn from movies by watching the B movies and then you can appreciate masterpieces. And it's the same for portfolios. And what I found out is that average portfolios are made of comprehensive case studies because they're boring. So what I'm trying to do is to design a portfolio and have an interface that puts the story across. I would like the user to be able to emerge, to immerse in the, in every case study and Because ultimately, what I like in other people's portfolio is the atmosphere of each case studies. I I really appreciate when you scroll through it and it tells a story. So you have like different interesting website for that. For instance, Happy X or Figma. They have an interesting R story page where you can have a cool storytelling with different types of interactions Mm. to tell you that story. And that's something I'm working
0: on. So for people out there who say have done UX and design research, Mm -hmm. they may not have visual design skills. Mm -hmm. So when you say like refining the UI, they mightn't be able to do that. Like, so are are you saying you felt it was really important to have a polished portfolio, something that was visually, visually strong?
1: Well, they are visually strong and visually strong. I feel like most of the time UI is about, I mean, my vision as a UX designer is that for me, UI is about not making mistakes and There's a cool, actually, class on Udemy for that. Joe and Natalie on Udemy. It's really good for UX designers, and you can learn really, and it it helps you talk about your design as well. So it's really useful. And what I really like about that is the logic of it, because it's just about making sure that your UI fits with brain's ability, fits with human brains, and make sure you're not slowing down your user. And I'd say that, I mean, I've been hired, and my portfolio is a CMS. I'm using, I'm currently using Adobe portfolio. I'm working on designing the whole portfolio for, because it's a cool project and you can learn a lot Mm. from this, but don't feel impressed or embarrassed if your portfolio is a CMS. I mean, many designers use WordPress or, Mm. and that's all right. What matters is transmitting information and showing your process. You just need to go through the first steps and get the job interview.
0: Yeah. Okay. So... What was interesting with me was you submitted your portfolio to that head of design at agency Arneo, Mm -mm. just as a casual, could you give me some feedback on this portfolio? And then you've ended up working there. So you've used a, a technique that I've used in the past of like, hey, listen, I'd love to get your thoughts on this piece. This is a really interesting article that you wrote. I wonder, would you have time for a quick phone call? A very kind of like by the by kind of approach to introducing yourself. How did you go about doing that? So you had the conversation with them and they gave you some feedback on your portfolio. Did they hire you on the spot?
1: No, not not at once. He came back to me a couple of months later and just okay. told me but I'd say that he was he probably saw stuff that he needed in his team on me. For instance, he had like international clients and you know in France it's quite rare to have creative that speak very well English. So it's useful to, to conduct international research. So, yeah, and I've only worked on international international uh, subjects in that consultancy, okay. so that's one of the thing. Also I'd say that he saw that I was, I mean, he told me that he felt I could be a profile that would evolve quickly as a senior because okay. I've been a senior in another field. So I've already managed people. I already, ma- I mean, handled clients and so, yeah. That's of course in terms of design. I, I have I still have so much to learn, and I'm yeah. happy to be able to learn more because it's it's so very nice. So
0: absolutely, and that's something that I say. And I had a course there recently on building your design portfolio, and afterwards, people were asking me about you know trying to either get a job or move in careers, whatever it is. And sometimes the answer is right in front of you. Like you look what you currently have within your your sort of grasp. You might be in a job at the moment that you're not happy with, but they might have opportunities that we could lend service design to. So you could get some experience looking at that. So in in the sense that you've got there at the moment, they're leveraging your previous career, your bits that you've managed, you've managed clients before. They might be in a completely different industry or discipline, but you're able to transfer those skills. Those soft skills are transferable, and you're able to look at you. So you kind of lowered the risk and increase the chances of certainty that you'd be a good hire is what they would have been looking at. And you've done that really well. So hats off to you.
1: Uh, Thanks, Jerry. Well, absolutely. And I'd say also that many other fields Mm. Look like design actually. So, for instance, I, I used to work as a social media manager, and one of the reasons—I mean, there's no, there's—I didn't end up doing design by chance. One of the reasons I was interested in design is that when I started working as a social media manager, it was all about doing drive to site. So, my work was to point users to websites because the experience happened on websites back in the days. And you know, with the increased use of live videos and of ephemeral contents, such as Snapchat, for instance, people started to consume content directly on social media. And so my job became more and more to create, like to design online experience directly on social media. So for instance, you know, how might we create an online event on social media that will enhance the real life event and that won't on the contrary, be detrimental to that event, those kind of things. So uh, working with social media apps, uh, learning every single feature to be able to use it properly and getting to know the users is a good way to start being trained as a UX designer, actually. And so I'd say that many people have already done somehow design in their career, even if they didn't know they were doing so. And that's something that people are interested in.
0: That's a really good point. So anyone listening at the moment who's going for a job, don't think of yourself as just being coming right from ground zero. There's other things that you've done in your in your career, and your life, shall we say, that could be transferable. So look what we currently within your grasp, shall we say. Joanna, we're coming towards the end of this this episode. You've done so much, but if people wanted to reach out to you and ask you a question... I think you're part of the This Is Hate City Slack community. Are you? Absolutely.
1: You are, yes, yeah.
0: I am. I think you're in there. So people can reach you in there if, if they're part of the Slack community as well. But what's the best way for people to to generally connect with you?
1: Well, you can connect with me on Twitter, at Peel Joanna, and on LinkedIn as well.
0: You're LinkedIn if you free,
1: well. free to reach out to me, I'd be happy to talk with you and I'm happy to help.
0: And that that's the great thing about the design community at the moment. Everyone is kind of going through the same thing everyone is learning and everyone's trying to get ahead at the moment so feel free to get in touch with Joanna or myself it's been great speaking with you Joanna thanks very much for your time
1: thank you very much Jerry thanks for having me
0: anytime so there you have it that's all for this episode if you like this episode feel free to visit thisis where you can access our back catalogue of over 100 episodes with episodes related to service design product management design research and much much more If you're interested in design and innovation training, feel free to check out our business, thisisdoing.com, where you can join online classrooms and learn from the world's best design and innovation leaders. Join the This Is Hate newsletter where you'll receive updates from the network. And also, if you're interested, apply to join the Slack community on thisishadecd.com. Stay safe and until next time, take care.